you're the first person that I've ever been with that I'm like scared of. And I mean that in a really respectful way. I'm like, like You're if not Randa's really scared of me. I am no, I'm I'm scared of you. <laughs> there has got to be more than this. Welcome to the Morse Code Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurially minded creatives in music, film, and writing. My name is Corby, and I'm hoping these conversations inspire you to push deeper into your own work, whether you're a full-time professional or just starting out on your own creative odyssey. I wanted to do something special for Valentine's Day, but before I get to our guests, we have an exciting announcement, which is that the Morse Code Podcast is having its first ever live show to celebrate six months of continuous weekly episodes. That's happening Sunday, April 14th at the Five Spot in East Nashville. It'll feature performances with Morse code, past and future guests, and a lot more. Still putting together a plan, and the details are coming soon. Okay, well, I'm really excited to share this conversation with actor, producer, casting director, and my partner in life and creativity, Randa Newman. Besides appearing on NBC's Young Rock and CW's Walker, Randa's produced several narrative projects, including the Morse Code pilot for which this podcast is named. This is an unusually personal conversation, the kind possible only with people who know each other really well. We talk about the experience of working together on projects, how hard it is for both of us to maintain boundaries, as well as the rewarding feeling of having a shared experience, whether or not it's good or bad. We discuss the importance of having fun and making art that isn't necessarily, you know, productive. In the second half of our podcast, we share our experiences and perspectives on our journey of family building, which is the realest thing I've ever been part of. Finally, in the spirit of music for the sheer joy of it, we play a song together, an old Lefty Frizzell tune called Long Black Veil. If you get something out of the Morse Code podcast, please take a second to like and subscribe. It really does help. And now here's my conversation with Randa Newman. Randa Newman. Yes. Thanks for making some time to talk with us here. And um, I thought that we would talk about what it's like to work together creatively and um, juggle, you know, our dreams and our um, realities, <laughs> um, our dreams of, you know, Morse code, of Ruby, of our future unknown projects together and our family dreams too. Um, those things are often, um, they don't have the same schedule I think that we have found. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really excited to to talk with you about this stuff because I think it'll be interesting to people who work together and also who wonder what that reality is like. Yes, we threaten to get a divorce every <laughs> once not, a week. I mean, I've never threatened, <laughs> just for the record. But um, but we did run into. Uh, some early tumultuous waters during the filming of Morse code. In yes, we did six months of six months into our marriage, six months into we our marriage. To, we just charged right into the biggest project of our lives. Yes. Still ongoing. Yes. But I will say that, um, I have felt forever indebted to you for taking on we'll the project. We'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just to catch people up, we um, raised 
the money to film Morse code, this pilot that we, we shot in February of 22. And we had been sitting on this money for months and months and months. And there was, um, an effort to get more money. You can always get more money to make movies. It's amazing how quickly money goes. Uh, and when that didn't prove fruitful uh, of an effort, it was just kind of like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And at that time we'd been married for like three months and I was having a pretty rough time. I remember not lots of sweat, <laughs> lots of sweating lots in the of, bed, lots of bed sweating. No, no sleep. Wow. We are really letting people in, aren't we? Okay. Um, no, but, I was just agreeing with you that you were having a rough time. You, you were adding some colorful detail yes, too, yes. which I'm sure everyone appreciates. We um, always get the male perspective. We <laughs> female perspective. It's time for the female perspective, guys. So uh, I was having a rough time because it was just felt. I felt like the project was stalled after all these years, and and why? And you were just finally you were busy with your own stuff, and I just remember being you being like, "Do you? I mean, do you want me to produce it?" Would you, would that be helpful to you? Would that shut you up? And I was like, really? Um, and I was very grateful and I was um, really excited about the prospect, even though I didn't know what that would look like. I just knew um, how, how capable you are and how great you are at everything. Thank you. Even though I'd never produced a project. You're great at everything, <laughs> but you don't, you don't, you're smart. You're the smartest person in the room, probably even right now at this moment, like very likely. And uh, in most yeah. rooms, yeah, I don't, don't want to drag Kyle into this. This is, um, poor fellow's been through enough with this whole thing. Uh, and, but you're also, you know, you write a really unusual line between being um, very capable and very um, conscientious, I guess I would say. Like everything you take on, you want to do an excellent job. And you do do an excellent job. And so, um, and I have, had witnessed that firsthand even up to that moment. Uh, so when you did jump on, I was like, I think that we're going to be okay. And it was actually all the pre-production was to me so fun, even though it was a lot of moving parts and, and so many uncertainties. Um, but maybe you can talk a little bit about the casting process and what you anticipated going into it and the reality sure. of it. Yeah. I mean, it also, it was a lot of fun. I agree. And also we were all doing something. Well, maybe Trav, he's kind of, you know, he was more experienced than us and had done this before, but you know, we were all doing something scary that we had never done before, which I love uncharted territory. <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, but as far as the casting goes, uh, you know, we're used to, whatever actors access from the actor's side of things you get a an audition you get an eco cast and you know you submit it but from the casting director side or you know casting associate whatever you have to go through like an hour training you set on I did, the training yeah. with me and then learn how to use it and then you're able to use the platform to request actors through agents and managers in different regions of the country. Um, 
if I might just catch some of the uninitiated up on yeah. what we're talking about, there's a platform called Actors Access that the industry uses. There's another one too, but this is probably the most commonly used one. There's more than two. Yeah, there's okay, a bunch. Okay, one two. Yeah, Actors um, Access breakdown use, services. Yeah, breakdown services, and we use this all the time as actors. Um, if you have your agent, will submit you on a project, and then if the casting people, director, etc., want to see you read for that role, then they request you to that agent your agent forwards you the audition and then you do the audition through self-tape a lot of times these days callbacks might be in person might not be whatever but that is all done through a platform called um, breakdown services which is also known as actors access to the actors side of it but there's this whole other back side of it that is the what the casting directors Did and I their team Sorry, use. Did you hear that? We'll just Sorry. edit out that burp. <laughs> okay, edit, it's, edit it's, out. This is real. You know, people get the real stuff. I forgot that mics are so sensitive. <laughs> um, uh, so the honey. Sorry, breakdown services. Breakdown services. Okay, yeah. So for this project, um, you just you were. A casting you were and are a casting director but you had to create a profile you had to create like an entity as a casting director and then go through there's actually a little training session they get you up to snuff on because there's it's it's kind of it's not complicated exactly but there's a lot to navigate to the uninitiated on that back end so um you did all of that stuff i remember we were on a work trip for you and in, in a hotel room we were like we were in miami we were in Miami. Yeah. Oh, I remember Miami. We got in that big fight that one day. <laughs> anyway. What else is new? Anyway, anyway. Okay, so um, so you were just talking about, uh, you had you, so you got initiated and you were a casting director. And then yes. I just remember working together with you on that because I had to create the roles, those descriptions for each of the roles. The breakdowns the for breakdowns. the characters. And I just, from, I mean, from the get-go, I immediately like have this emotional um, feeling of gratitude because... Uh, like it's enough to it's hard enough to write and stuff um that's like one you know you're right-brained whatever but to add to that like putting in things into the right places i just was remember being so grateful you're like here write these six character descriptions send them to me and i was just like oh my god i like this i can do mm. um so you created all of those and then maybe you could talk a little bit about that process or what it was like. And yeah, you, you create the, the breakdown and it goes out to agents and managers and then they submit people who they feel like on their roster might fit that role. Um, and sometimes, I think we got what, like 500 yeah, submissions five. in mm -hmm. the Southeast, which is so cool. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't expecting that many submissions, but. It was fun. Yeah, it was exciting. But because we were paying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we were not. Uh, and we got to see a lot of actors, or in my opinion, got to see a lot of actors read for these roles. And like, I had never seen them, their work before. And, you know, got to see, got to see that, which was mm -hmm. fun and exciting. And also in your mind, in my mind, I was like, oh, this person, I, I'm definitely thinking of them in the future. They might not be right for this role, but I'm thinking of them in the future because they might be great for another role. And wasn't it just awesome to, as an actor, to realize, like, to work at it from the other side and and see that in, in reality, just like exactly what you said. You know, you saw these actors, and this person might not be a great fit for this role or this project, mm -hmm. but you're like, they're interesting. Yeah, and you, you file need, that away. Yeah, and from the actor side too, like. 
you really need a slate shot. I was going to say, I was going to bring that up I next. mean, like, our agent, we love her. Uh, and she's always like, you really need a slate shot. And we're like, okay. We need, but you really do. You need mm. a slate shot and you need great headshots that stand out and really represent what you look like. Because, you know, you would... Even looking at somebody off of their headshot, and then you'd see their audition, and we're like that they don't they don't look like that anymore, mm-hmm. and it feels like deception. <laughs> Got to have a current slate, a current headshot, and then the slate shot too for the uninitiated. Not mm-hmm. to get too inside baseball on it, but um, on that platform, probably all of them, but on Actors Access as a casting director, you see the headshot of the prospective actor, and then if they have a slate shot, it's just like a highlighted little button, and you can click it, and all of that is is a f- three to five second um, clip, video clip of that actor introducing themselves. Saying their name. Saying their name. And, and that's get, usually you it. You get so much out of those It's few unbelievable. Seconds. Someone's voice, their posture, their like po- how they hold themselves. Totally. How they, po- they do that. They're, the timbre of their voice, high, low. But you're, totally. it's all these things you their can't presence. even put into words. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like these, the present. It's, it's so helpful as a casting director. Sometimes we, we would be like, well, we're not going to pick them to read because they don't have a slate shot. We, were, we did do that a few yeah. times because there were so many people with slate shots. Mm-hmm. And we, we you also find that... Um, um, my experience <laughs> you, quickly you just can't take everybody because you realize the more people you accept to read they're going to submit tapes they're going to work hard on these tapes and you should you know you're going to watch them and we're just a crew of two at that time and a three with three, director right, Travis yeah. Nicholson um, and so we were reviewing all of these so we got you know we had to be picky but we still you know had uh, after those headshots how many do you think pe- actors actually submitted north of a hundred yeah and it was so fun to watch the tapes. It was so fun. We went fun. to Travis, Travis Nicholson, the director, to his house on the big screen, watched the tapes. It was so challenging to, they were so good. They were so, the a lot of them were, were so great. good. Yeah. And it was hard to, to feel like who would be right for the role. But not only that, you guys wrote in a family. So two sisters and a daughter and a husband, and they all have to kind of, look similarly <laughs> mm-hmm. um so that all of those things that you don't really think about play into uh, how you cast a project too and you were running that show and um i it was it, it's a really creative process i just saw relatedly that uh the academy just added a an, an oscar for best casting really yeah it's brand new as of it's like starting in 2026 or something and that makes so much sense yeah. because it's such a powerful and a hugely important part of the job. And if, mm-hmm. you know, the casting is great. God, it's so fun. That project mm-hmm. is so fun. It's so fun to find the right people to, with, to work with the team, to find the right people for the right roles that can bring this story to life. You mm-hmm. know, I think it re- it's really important. The actor is so important and vital to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and the interaction between each actor mm-hmm, like it, one different person is changes everything because everybody is behaves slightly different or mm-hmm. yeah we know as actors in in a scene you res, you act differently with different people in even in the context of the scene their energy or um it's all a very subtle art so yes it's also very administrative too and a lot of logistic like scheduling but 
communicating yeah yes. all of that stuff keeping yes. track of who you and that breakdown services not to get too inside baseball again but um does make that nice it's pretty tidy mm-hmm. to maintain all of that information and mm-hmm. um good job on that program whoever did that um okay so we cast the project yes we've got our actors now um and then and this is a minute ago time flies this is like two years ago three now. projects ago now but uh, i still remember all of it pretty vividly um the read through we had a read through with all of the actors mm-hmm. um and that was fun because you got to it was the first time everybody was in the same room so everybody got to meet everybody um and then after that it was just like charged right into this uh shooting schedule and so we did like seven days was it six days seven in a pickup seven in a pickup and we had been scouting locations and we were pretty ambitious for and we got some great locations because of connections trav had or i had or you had Mm -hmm. um and we had to rent you know part of the budget was in renting some of those spots and throughout all of this too we were insane we were insane i mean we were insane both in our ambition i think and a little insane in the execution like i'm so proud of us and again babe you because this with with money and it's so hard and now having been involved in a lot of projects i see it done not so great um and not so tight um but there's there's you know, with every project, there's thousands of dollars involved, if not millions. But you know, you, I feel like you're gonna tell the ice cream cones. No, I will. I was about to. But <laughs> well, also, let me just say this: like, I I don't even know what my role was, Produ- producer, UPN, whatever you want to call it. Um, you had six I, titles. Looking back, I would do so many things differently, which I think I did on our next on our whatever our next production was, mm. differently and better. I learned mm. so much mm-hmm. trying to execute this thing, like bring it to fruition. And that's all I'll say. What would you I, do? What's one thing that you would do different? Well, I was very, very stressed. I, one thing I would do different is uh, if there wasn't budget for me to work plus pay someone, I would just pay someone to do if it's a passion project a project that we really want to do i would take that away and and hire someone to help because mm-hmm. i think that's so important because i feel like i took on a lot of um tasks and responsibility when it could have been a bit less stressful for a me. bit more delegation would have yeah, been yes yeah um but you know it's yeah. because at the end of the day it's like we're making a movie you know, we're, mm. it's supposed to be fun and exciting and not ha- about to have a an anxiety attack every day. So, yeah, um, maybe this is a good time to bring up the, the ice cream story. So th- I learned a lot, too. And one of the things is that I don't know if I'm ever going to produce a project that I'm acting in because I was hyper aware at all times of the clock because we were, you know, time is so valuable on set and we only have your, your, your shooting schedule. Our shooting schedule was ambitious to say the least. 
um, that's another thing that you buy with money is time. You buy time mm-hmm. to set shots up and to have takes and to for have re- rentals and- for actors. It's just like time is the thing is probably the number one thing. Uh, a number one, a number one among many number one things. Uh, but so we were shooting, I don't know, six pages a day, nine pages a day. Sometimes it was, it was ambitious. And so there there wasn't a lot of time for the setups and then there wasn't a lot of time for the executions. And the thing about creatives is that they want, they'll take every dollar and every second that they can. And then a little bit more. Yeah. And so there's this, this built in tension between the reality of what we, our resources are and our time. Um, and that's usually handled by the production manager production. Uh, and then what the creative person wants to have, you know, and, and to their credit, to the creative's credit, it's like there's so much motivation to shoot as much as possible because you can't edit what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And you want to have as much to, to shoot from as you can. I understand that. And I also understand, like, we got this much time. We lose the kids at six. You know, we can't do there's things there are limits um there's weather limits <laughs> Justin was running around going pumpkin pumpkin <laughs> like for, because of the kids like because you lose the kids oh so pumpkin. Like, yeah. yeah that's i learned some terms yeah pumpkin kids turn into pumpkins <laughs> like, oh he turns into a pumpkin yeah. at six and you're like what oh we lose the yeah. kids they have so to go oh, okay so yes i agree but also we didn't know it that was a, it really. was a unique situation you know we were going forward we're going to do better. That's all. Yeah. Um, but let's tell this, the story of day three, day two of the shoot, um, which nicely illustrates that tension, I think, in a nutshell. Um, and some of the wild um, exchanges that can come of it. Was this day two or was it day one? <sighs> day one or two. It was very. It was either day one or day two. Yeah. In any case, we to set the stage. Okay, so we shot this at Sip Cafe in East Nashville under um, dubious circumstances, which were Travis and I had been trying to get SIP to let us shoot there for weeks. And um, because it was an East Nashville place, it had a great set. Also, it was was during COVID. So um, they didn't have their dining room open, which was kind of ideal because we could maybe potentially film there. And um, it was we went back and forth with management, and the guy only answers emails once a week. And da, 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 da. we finally got him to let us do it. We paid him money, and they're like, "Cool." And we're this is the day we're going to arrive here. We'll be done by such and such a time. And the manager on duty, I don't know. I think I under as you kind of do sometimes. You sort of undersell what you're bringing. And so we showed like, up. We're with, doing a student film. It's, a, it's just a little project. And so we show up with trucks, about 20 crew, actors, we extras. I mean, we're, you know, we were in it to win it. And they had no idea. We just stormed the place at 7 o'clock. And they were, they were outraged from moment one. The manager on duty just could not wait for us to leave. Was clearly not happy that we were there. So that's just an, a huge element of stress. And, and then this is also, let's just say no diss to sip cafe. We not at all. No, no, totally. We were, that was on us. Yeah. Um, and we were also just trying to get something done that, you know, we were just trying to get something done. We were Werner Herzog yeah. in it. So I may or may not have yelled at people over ice cream. Cones. <laughs> so, well also in the morning, somebody tested, you were so great about 
um, we were a SAG operation. And so there was a little bit of protocol involved in that to maintain good standards. And you were so good about maintaining a COVID safe environment. So everybody was tested every morning. And what happens the second morning? Someone tests testers someone tests someone tests positive for covid yep and um it, well thank god it wasn't one of the cast immediate cast because it would have shut down the whole deal there, yes it was were, it was very stressful like it was one of the it was a member of the 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 supporting family, family yeah. yeah so so they so we you isolated that problem you handled it with um decorum to spare and um, but you were inside quite stressed and then so we get to filming it and we there's this scene between me and the kid and we're eating ice cream while we talk we're talking so there's multiple takes involved so naturally multiple ice cream clones continuity for continuity and um so we would keep going and get more chocolate ice cream cones and part of the deal with the sip was we just paid for all of the ice cream that everybody ate um and they were you know reasonably priced ice cream cones maybe three and a half bucks or something a piece but um it, you were getting more and more <laughs> sick of all of these takes and all of these ice cream cones people just eating ice cream cones like they're growing on trees <laughs> finally you had had enough and you were like no more ice cream cones <laughs> with your okay. like randa stare of death <laughs> look also it was day one or two, whatever, we can't remember. <clears throat> and I was like, how am I going to stretch this money for seven more days? Mm. I have this little pile of money contingency that I need to make last. Who knows what's going to come up? Mm-hmm. Trav might be like, we need another light. And I'm like, there goes our entire contingency <laughs> fee. Uh, so that was the part, because I had just not had a lot of experience ma- managing, per, like, contingency and like planning for those things mm-hmm. and the budget was so tight yes i mean it, re- it was really so, were spending i mean every... we were really down to pennies mm-hmm. i mean we were down to pennies but we were down to dollars yeah. dollars for sure <laughs> i was about to say nickels i'm like no go, we'll go a little bigger and we were down to we really were down to dollars yeah. and so when people would ask for money for something it was like man you know like i don't know if we have it mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway uh, so yeah, we got a were, big fight when you, your then your mic was hot and we didn't oh yeah we got in a fight i was like that was the one time where i was not professional on set with my producing partner who's <laughs> my at that moment my my wife and um we you were like you were like we need to talk and i'm so <laughs> furious and i also was totally aware that i was mic'd up and you I also knew no, that you, you were not. Me. You came to me and you were like, Abby is scared of you. <laughs> I was like, Abby's not scared of me. And you were like, everyone is. Everyone is scared of like, me. Yeah, people, I think, I don't know. I'm a little bit scared. I think that's kind of fair. I think I might stand by that statement. Anyway. So we went to a car and had it out. And I just was aware that the mic was hot the whole time. The poor sound guy is just sitting there listening Tyler. to us and yell at each other. You, no, I'm sure that he turned it off because... And if he didn't, he'll, we'll never know. He's a great guy. He's, and he yeah, wouldn't do solid. that. Also, who would want to? It's not like anyone would be like, ooh. Juicy. <laughs> juicy gossip. Between um, yeah. Anyway. So we got through it. We got through it. We didn't get a divorce. We cried every single night. At you, least I did. You cried every I night. Cried and every I cried And I felt bad. And 
we were also so exhausted because we would, were, you know, there was no money. And so we're like cleaning up the lights. We're closing down venues that we'd done. We're making mm-hmm. sure that everyone's cool that who at the various locations we're making sure that the cast is crew, cool the crew is and then you're writing the call sheet up for the next day when we get home after these like 14 hour days it's usually like the middle of the night call times were often 6 a.m or earlier crazy it was so crazy we'd be I, home I don't in like think like I could do it hours. again yeah I don't think so like like well, that again you know? we wouldn't we wouldn't do it that way yeah like our next project save the boy we, it was so so much nice. easier by comparison. Yeah, we were able to pay people more. It was just so much better. Yeah, we weren't trying to be quite so ambitious with the with the time and the, mm-hmm. but whatever. I mean, it's like it was we also it. like also we have a great product out of it. I'm so proud of us, and it was like a freaking adventure. You know, yeah. we had it was like it's how it is when you go on through hard things together. Is you or you're bonded. I mean, those those folks almost to a person. I just have so much gratitude for and love for and people, my feeling, and maybe they were just pretending for my sake, but it felt like people wanted to be there. People were going the extra mile and they weren't being paid. I mean, everyone got, we got paid, but not a lot. And it was a, a true labor of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in those situations, when you really are pushed to the max, you people show you who they are Mm -hmm. and you learn for me anyway like i learn who who i want on my set who i want to work with again Mm -hmm. i just remember um was one night we were filming back at the back house here and one of the um jared he it was we had been working so hard it was very cold and at the end of the night he was just like showing someone who had lesser experience like how to do something after like when they were loading out and mm-hmm. i was just like i mean i cried <laughs> whatever <laughs> like because i was just like what a yeah how how you show up in in those moments i think is really important it shows it, it, integrity ha- and absolutely how you show up in moments of trial really do reveal your character mm-hmm. um relatedly in having gone through that um, and we've talked about this a lot because um, you continue to act and book stuff. You've booked cooler stuff than I have by a long shot. Um, but I act a little bit too. I get out there, you know, and it's really interesting to work on sets, other sets, because every single set has its own personality, usually shaped by the top people. Mm-hmm. The, the, the people under the top people take cues from how the top people behave and their attitudes and their the top people are constantly showing the rest of the crew and cast how important this project is to them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately you're working for them. So, um, but all of those people, I'm always, I mean, and I was on set yesterday for a project. Every single person I encounter as an actor, I'm kind of like, would I work with this person again? Would, I, do I want like for, we're always looking for people mm-hmm. and I'm always kind of like low key auditioning pr- future collaboratives mm-hmm. um and are are you doing the same yeah yeah people don't people don't know that they should be nice <laughs> to us <laughs> um but it's really true because it, especially at this level you know we're not making a fortune on these projects or anything but we're making things that are beautiful in the world i and, think so yeah. yeah i know i totally believe in what we're doing and um and so if, if it's not fun to make those things, 
why why do it and mm-hmm. it's already hard enough and so you really want to be surrounded by people mm-hmm. that you can not not only count on but that are just fun to be around mm-hmm. um so we're learning on that one too i think yes i think too when you hire someone at a negotiate like a you make it very transparent very clear like this is what we have and they agree to a certain rate or you know circumstance whatever it, it is um then that's kind of should be the end of it, right? Like it, then you you still give 100%, this is from my perspective anyway, like you still, you still do your best and give 100% because you know the terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so- You made the agreement. You made the agreement. Mm-hmm. And so in, I think you notice whenever someone will half-ass something um, because they're not maybe like getting paid their full right. Mm-hmm. And I think too, it's like, I understand that maybe producers don't have a great name sometimes or mm-hmm. want to keep money. Somebody has to um, be the bad but guy. But I, I, I really don't do, th- like, I don't think we do that. Mm. Um, we, I'll show anybody our books from Morse code. We got yeah. paid nothing, like <laughs> very little. <laughs> um, and even on our other projects, we didn't, you know, we don't, it's not like we keep money and pay ourselves. I would love to be able to pay everyone their full right. A hundred percent. I mean, that's Actors, one of my crew locations. <laughs> I, you know, um, maybe this is a little bit of a non sequitur, but um, one of the things that I've enjoyed about this kind of new era of like working in film for me after having been an indie folk singer for so long is that the overhead had to be of necessity very low for me to like make my way forward in the world. And so I had zero employees basically ever, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I had a booking agent that got a commitment, uh, a commission or a manager, but by and large, like I couldn't afford to tour with a sidey, a sideman, but a few times, you know, that's how big my capitalistically successful, my enterprise got. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I, um, you know, moved on and got my show even kind of like, started to get created around my ability to pull off music by myself because that's all I could afford. And, um, what being in the, in the acting world and having an agent, I just remember the first time I booked something and my agent made money off of it. It was so gratifying. It was like so cool. And like one of the joys of it to me, and this is maybe like really naive and some people are like out there like scoffing this. I don't know, but um, it's so cool to make money for people and also do an industry, do have an enterprise that, that gives people jobs. Like we were able to do on Morse code. Even this project is, you know, Mm -hmm. like able to do that a little Mm -hmm. bit. And it's like, that's really motivating to, I think both of us, we we talk about that. That's on my five year plan. Yeah. Having, being able to, pay people for something that they really love doing five people i would like to be able to employ provide health insurance five full-time people yeah yeah that would be my, my dream it'd be so cool yeah. oh my god okay well here's to that i think they were gonna do that um <laughs> uh, let's uh it's we're about at the halfway mark but um Uh-oh. we're gonna play i think that we're gonna do something completely different and um maybe i could set this up by saying one of the things that I really like about um, life with you is not everything is, we're no, I, don't, I feel like we don't work. I think that, I mean, we work all the time, but we, we play all the time too. And we yeah. do stuff that's not 
like for work is play kind of work is play but we also like we do play play stuff and one yeah. of those things is like we play music together yeah. and i enjoy playing music a lot and you also enjoy playing music a lot and um it's a bit so fun and i don't want this to come across wrongly but um it's really fulfilling and inspiring and um just wholesome is the word to live with somebody who is an amateur musician who plays music because they want to play music <laughs> honey no i mean like I, you no. you practice the piano every day basically and you play to play and i it's so it it makes me play to play too it's really easy um to be when you're around professional musicians um, to think of it as a, as work because it, it is work and it, it is pressure in that sense. So to be surrounded by that is really fun. And so I think as an example of that, we're going to play the one song the that one song we, we do. We do. Our this song. is the Randa and Corby song. Okay. So um, wish us luck, everybody. Ten years ago on a cold dark night someone Keep beneath the town hall lights. If you were at the scene, they all agreed that the slayer who ran looks a lot like me. And the judge said, Son, what is your alibi? If you were some
hear my solo (laughs) (laughs) smoking i bet people wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between your solo and my solo. probably not Uh, if they could it's probably just because the guitar i've got the smaller one that's yeah that ladylike sound yeah Yeah. um it was really fun though and uh, i'm glad it went as well as it did (laughs) (laughs) fingers crossed okay uh okay so that's morse code um maybe we could talk about um stickier stuff too and I could say, I could mm. say a, a vulnerable thing or two if you, if I had to, which is that um, I notice that I'm a difficult person to be around in a lifetime si- situation. Sometimes, yes. And um, my parents have told me that, <laughs> um, and uh, I've also witnessed it. And um, I think that one of the things maybe about getting older that's good is you you learn to mitigate some of that stuff, I've, some of it, but there's still the craziness that comes out. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is me being like thankful and maybe also um, we could talk about the challenge of boundaries in our relationship um, and how we've come across some of that stuff. Do you think that's a thing that we could, I don't even know if there's a word like for it. you're being kind of vague. Maybe well, just I don't, like I, go in with an example. Uh, I don't. Um, I think that we've had arguments in the past or discussions um, that had some heat in them uh, where w- when I'm going through, you know, I, I have basically a feeling of inadequacy like in my life. And, um, I kind of fight through that. Is it like, and some days I do better. And, and if I make something then I feel good about myself and if I don't make something then I feel bad about myself. And, um, some of the times it's like, fine, I can shake it off, go run for a run, whatever. But sometimes it's just like, I can't. And I'm, it's like, and you're, I, to quote you in some, one of those heated moments, like you fill the room, <laughs> <laughs> which is like parentheses with gloom. Well, well, you're like, this is not me imitating you because we don't do that. No, we don't do that. Okay. Um, The whole family can just feel it. You know, Mm -hmm. me, the cat, the dog, plants, everybody's like, oh, Corby's in a mood, you know, like some kind of mood. And then I'll be like, honey, is everything okay? What's going on? And you're like, nothing. (laughs) Nothing. It's fine. Okay. Well, Here's another side of that, though, too, is that, like, I don't, like, walk around stomping in the house or, like, being cross with people. I just go, because I'm, like, I feel like I'm polite, even, that's a terrible word, like, who wants to be polite in their marriage? But, like, sometimes you have to, sometimes manners are all you've got when you feel like the world's falling around, falling down around you, even though you know that's not really happening, but that you can't, you have a feeling. You can't get out of that feeling, but, you, you know, you're, like you don't want to drag the people around you down with you. And so you kind of have this little buffer space between your feeling and your interactions, but that in that buffer space, it's, it's the air is cool. 
you know, and, uh, and I'm usually like a pretty warm and laughy person. We mm-hmm. joke around a lot. And so whenever that's not happening, it's really obvious that something's wrong. Yeah. Is that fair to say? I think too, we both, we have different ways of, when I, like when I feel something, it's hard for me to hold it in. It's hard for me to just keep it in there and be not say anything. No, 100%. I mean, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. And but that's that's all opposite of you. I feel like when you feel something, you're more reserved about it and kind of hold it in. I, I feel like I have to pry it out of you sometimes. I think that's fair. Um, and sometimes those two things don't go well. You know, you get frustrated with argument. the prying thing for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's also this. Okay, well, I'll say too is that. Um, I was. I also wasn't saying that it was right of me to just blurt out how I feel all the time. Well, I don't it, think that that's the right way to do sure, it. Sure, and I. I don't think. Um, I mean, that sh- it's just a different uh, example of personality gone too far. You know, like my that's a, mine goes too far, and I'm like, whoa, 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 and you're you're just like, I want a divorce. <laughs> I don't. You don't. I don't not say, regularly. Like, I want a divorce. <laughs> But like, we'll be in a fight and you're like, it's been said before. And I'm like, I know she doesn't really. <laughs> okay. I maybe said that a couple of times. <laughs> That's all I'm going to go with two, two times. I think. Two. I also, you know, all of this IVF stuff has been really hard. Yes. On me personally and our not, I mean, not hard on our marriage. It's just like brought stuff up. It's, um, I'm get, I guess, well, I wanted to say one more thing and this is like, and then we, uh, let's talk about that because that's a huge part of our life. Yeah. Um, right now. Especially even at this moment. Um, but I, you're the first person that I've ever been with that I'm like scared of. And I mean that in a really respectful way. I'm like, like you're if Randa's really scared of, me. I am. No, I'm, I'm scared of you. <laughs> God. Like if you, when you definitely, if you're like in a, like a mood, it's the same thing. Like it fills the house. There's no escaping it and it has to be resolved or else I can't like, I can't go sit there and write or do anything really. And we like, we got to figure this out. Um, and I, that's, you know, um, an example of like, I really respect you and, uh, it's like, I want you to be happy, but I've also just like, there's something even deeper than that in a way. It's just like, if you're not happy, like something's wrong in the in the world and like i usually have there's i'm at the bottom of that reason make me sound like a diva well (laughs) a diva you are not at all you're like most uh grounded person i I, I will say too usually when and this is probably true in a lot of people's relationships usually when something is wrong it's not it's like with uh, it's not usually you and like if it is i usually just tell you right like mm. the other day i remember i was just like in a mood and like just frustrated but when i thought about it it was really because i hadn't hadn't really done anything creatively mm. and i need that in my life and like need to release something that's not so corporate mm-hmm. and i think i told you that mm-hmm. um that i was just feeling like restless and that I needed to 
do something <laughs> like do something creative or like go scream or work out or something like that um yeah yeah um i well i was just also thinking about like today and you're like you know there's this other side thing i want to say too is that you handle so many of the less sexy aspects of our work life and and family life you know i.e the taxes and and stuff like that and um that's something i like this is something that we don't ever even talk about maybe we have just a little bit but um i know that early on in our relationship you were frustrated with me for not taking on those responsibilities and my response was that i i'm willing to take on those responsibilities and i have as a a grown man who's had to do it himself one way or another for 40 years um can and do i do function in the world but your um level of expectation of being on top of the game is so much higher than mine that um i don't i worry that i can't do it to your satisfaction and i think that maybe time um proved that out or 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 you're just like yeah he's freaking idiot i'm just gonna have to do it myself (laughs) no i don't think that but we don't i do have high expectations and i don't know where that comes from it's not like i grew up with that or anything um and yeah i think i have learned that it it's easy sometimes easier to just do it do it myself because I'm going to do it right. (laughs) You're going to do it right. Um, And sometimes right means your way. And sometimes sometimes, right means right. Sometimes, yeah. And usually right means it's going to save me time in the future. Like Mm -hmm. when we're setting up Morse code podcast, for example, like having everything set up properly from a business standpoint made the end of the year so much easier Mm -hmm. or will make it so much easier for me and the accountant and I mean that's one thing and I have we've talked about this even the last few days where I'm just like you are so good at that and I've also I've regretted whatever heel dragging I've done going into some of these things like when we started the Morse code podcast we were like okay this needs to have it's its own business entity it needs to have its own bank account it needs to have its own um business like business license I- IED whatever uh, EIN EIN mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and you know i was just like oh it's so much a drag to do all of this stuff we're gonna get like and then i'm gonna have to keep track of all of this and it's actually like once you do it right from the beginning it's as easy as just making sure you use that debit card for mm-hmm. that expense and yeah. and then at the end of the year it's just all laid, laid out it's just it's unbelievable <laughs> how much easier it is and it's also um this is something that creatives don't talk about very much. And uh, I understand to the extent that I understand it, (laughs) which is that um, your, your ability to do creative work is truly directly connected to your ability to, to handle your business. And especially in a pro in enterprises like film, which are capital heavy, and have a lot of moving parts and you're contracting out independent workers on, you know, project by project basis. You cannot be in movies, even shorts in 
you can't pull them off without being organized and having somebody having on, someone the team. on the team. That's and we watch it. I watch like in our film friends, the inability to negotiate that is paralyzing to the process and people don't get stuff and made project, yeah. and the project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like they cannot, you cannot get a, a movie made unless you have a fairly high degree of organization from somebody on the team. Um, and so part of the thing that's so exciting about, you know, thinking about our future together um, in the creative space, and then we can button that up and move on to the family stuff um, is that the sky's the limit. I, you know, it's like really, we, I think that Morse code, if when it sells, um, will be a wonderful return on the investment for our investors. Um, it'll change our lives. But it also, even short of that, we've proved that we have we can make a, a really competitive product with an incredibly low budget. We mm-hmm. can handle money well. Like you said, you like you'd show the Morse code books to anybody, and that's just like you know. It reminds me that every every project that you do um, and it doesn't even matter if it's your own project or you're acting in somebody else's thing or you're showing up for a co-write it's really every experience that you have is an audition for the opportunity to do it again and Mm -hmm. um, to the extent that you are you know a a pleasant person to be around and you have ideas that you can bring to the table and you're just you know you're you're good at your job then you're going to get to do it again and again Mm -hmm. so it's um uh, I'm really excited about all of the projects to come because I am barely, too. We can I'm excited too. I mean, I'll say this one last thing about say it. In, at the beginning of our relationship, it was intimidating to me that you were, you're such a fantastic artist and Honey. Um, like carry yourself with uh, like, I wouldn't even say like a, it's confidence, but um, like I know you have your own insecurities and things, but you know you carry yourself with the confidence. And I, it took me, it's taken me a couple of years to really step into that and not make my smell, my smell, myself feel to not make myself feel be small, so that others can feel better or bigger, mm-hmm. um, and to stop worrying about how others perceive me and just live in my power or um you know what i mean i i do um or i think i i think i do i I would say one thing is that i hope that we all you know in every relationship uh, the, the both parties bring something to the table in that relationship whatever they bring and to the extent that that um party uh person one um, what they bring is acceptable to person two and the exchange is acceptable, then the relationship is happy. And it's when things are out of kilter, when somebody feels like they're, the other person's not pulling their weight or they're, they're, they're uninspiring or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then there's problems. And there's th- many things, like I alluded to a second ago, of your ability to be so organized, and I'm not at that. And also, um, you know, I get to do the fun stuff a lot. And... Um, I, I'm, you know, really aware of the privilege that comes with that, um, both within our relationship and just in the world at large. It's like, nobody gets to have, I have no problems. All of my problems are like point zero 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 one percent of the world gets to even have a chance to have these problems. So then go to sleep at night <laughs> and stop sweating. Yeah. 
<laughs> three o'clock in the morning it just looks a lot different but um what i what i hope that i bring to the table is um this like incur- like i w- you are you're a really creative person and um not just in like the casting side of it or the acting side of it but like you're writing your own project um in fertile myrtle and um i i hope that that you feel not judged by me and i hope that you feel that uh, encouraged that's what i want to say and because i do i do want that and like even the song that we just played you know it's such a joy for me to like do that with you and have creativity in our family um for its own sake yeah no i feel encouraged by you i also feel a little judged by you to be honest i mean not in a bad way like i kind of want to be judged by you i don't want you to just tell me that my play is good because i'm your wife you know i want you to think it's good because it's fucking good yeah um and i i can count on you to be honest with me about artistic (laughs) things and artistic endeavors um so even in the audition process you're like "Mm, that i don't believe you you know Mm. if if you're reading for me for an audition you're like "Eh, that's just do it again you know but, I, this, but you don't same, say it like that but well if, if i do you waste no time in letting me know that there is a <laughs> that don't speak to a me way that to way. deliver <laughs> things in a way not to uh but i would also say and that's a good one because you absolutely direct you know me and my like it's so amazing to have an acting partner for auditions mm-hmm. you know for for one it's really hard to have a reader on demand basically um and so we have that but also you're you're really good at it you know and and as an actor you need to feel encouraged especially in a self-tape like did was that any good at all Mm -hmm. and to have somebody whose opinion you trust on the other side of the camera being like yeah but let's try to get you know maybe this thing and you're you're really good at that thank you yeah um okay let's talk about babies (laughs) I mean, this maybe will be in the thing and maybe it won't. So we'll just see where it goes. Well, I mean, it's just been, it's been such a long process and has been a huge part of at least my life. It feels like it's just been a huge cloud. I feel like Eeyore with a big fertility cloud over me or infertility cloud, whatever you want to call it. Um, And yes, I was thinking right before this, like, our doctor called and like right before right before this and i was like am i gonna be able to like do this thing and of course i was like yes you will do it because you can have both you can have uh be working on a family and also conquering the world conquer the world talk about your work Mm. etc so here we are here we are and we've I mean, we just got new. Maybe we should say we just got news that the transfer that we were going to do at the end of the month has to be canceled. Yes, um, and can I talk? Like, can I set it up a little bit? Yeah, just we talk can talk. Maybe bit? we can just say that I, this is kind of like my realm, right? Like For sure. The, <laughs> um, in December of 2022. We had an ectopic pregnancy that ruptured and I had to have surgery and I lost a fallopian tube. So after that, everything was great. Everything was fine. But we met with a fertility clinic to talk about our options for moving forward with having one fallopian tube and also like 
my age and you know the chances of having kids anyway we ended up doing IVF last fall and did an egg retrieval for the, maybe people know what this is maybe they don't but well can I let me because if there's dudes listening I'll help them a little bit Great. understand this stuff so there's a, a couple of different ways that fertility can happen the IVF one that we chose is where you will take in, the version of the IVF that we chose is the um, they give uh, the mother to be uh, drugs to ha- kind of increase the production of eggs um, mm-hmm. and that's a, a week, several week process there's shots involved um, daily shots that we I had to give to my wife um, and it's so weird because this stuff happens behind closed doors. Nobody ever knows. Mm-hmm. And you're like doing your normal thing in life. And meanwhile, at seven o'clock every on the dot, we're like having this little ritual, which I th- thought was actually kind of intimate and sweet. Um, you have this process and then you go and there's a harvesting of these eggs. They, you get how, however many you get, maybe it's five, maybe it's 20. Um, and you had 16, I want to say. A high number I had 16 and then so you, we um took those i had to go <clears throat> rub one out in a doctor's <laughs> office that's pretty fun they yeah, also so they let's all feel bad for corby because he had to go jack off into a cup and i had to go through surgery and give myself shots for a week and a half okay so. well i'm hyper aware of my contribution <laughs> and how small it really was um so there's the little semen thing and then they put the they fertilize all of those eggs and then they kind te- of yeah, yeah kind of yeah and then they they're blastocysts at this point right well there's different phases like yes okay just, doesn't just matter say yes. this is for yes. the dudes the layman yeah um and so then they send the the fertilized eggs off to make sh- to see what's going to be viable what's not well you the, you can you have the option to do genetic testing or not mm-hmm. and so we decided yes because uh of my age so okay. yes so then they came back and they're like you have four we have four and then one Kind one of, maybe uh, yeah. one maybe so yeah. um i didn't even know about that maybe until recently yeah so we have four and that means you kind of have four tries these are fertilized embryos four tries are, for one live birth okay <laughs> <laughs> and so we had an, an embryo transfer in um d- january just a few weeks ago and that it was uh, it's a lot you go through it's another round of shots th- with much larger needles and um uh, it's more painful for Randa. It was it? Let, who knows? Maybe everybody's different, but I think this, your case is pr- probably pretty typical. They're intramuscular shots, and so it, it's like it's just you get a sore. You get sore, yeah. Um, and so we were like at Sundance doing this, and like the bathrooms at parties. I mean, it was. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it was pretty funny. The, the guy Shabbat was like dinner. pounding. The Shabbat, <laughs> yeah. the guy's pounding on the door. We were, I just had this syringe in my purse, and I was like, "Excuse us, we have to go to the restroom." Like. <laughs> Like a wild adventure. I mean, me. you had to give yourself a shot on the plane on the way home by oh, yeah, yourself because I was on a different flight. Yes. Um, so we go through all of that. Then we transfer the embryo. And um, and it was a little emotional. It was like a little hope. And uh, we found out a week and a half ago that it didn't take. So um, uh, there's a, you know, it's that sucks. And that sucks. I mean, it more than sucks, Corby. It was like was t- really hard for me. I mean, I wasn't saying like, yes, it sucks, but I feel like you're kind of talking about it a little bit nonchalantly. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it sucks, but then we're going to try it again. But no, it was like kind of heartbreaking. Like I didn't expect to feel like that mm. about, you know, 
just like I'd had friends that it just it worked and so we just assumed I mean I think we both assumed like it would work we always tend to assume the best I was I mean everything I was looked really great like yeah. as far as like my hormones go my uterine lining whatever is supposed to go however it was supposed to be it was that way mm. um, and then yeah and we we transferred a girl or a female yeah and that was like I don't want to know for the next one. I don't, it's, I don't I, want to know either. It was too hard to do that it part. It was so hard. I mean, yeah. So we decided we're going to do it again at the next opportunity, and that was originally going to be in a few the weeks. End of the month. Yeah. And we found out just today, a second ago, that I, I actually didn't even know exactly the technical issue because I wasn't on that part of the call. But it's not an ideal situation. Uh, to move forward so we've got to do some more stuff to kind of prepare the bed as it were um, so there's a delay and it's all uncertain and um, it's it's been a long it's been a long journey I'm actually not even very comfortable talking about it like like now that we are I mean yeah it's it just feels like well I told you I was like I don't I mean, maybe we'll have to cut this out because I'm about, like, I feel a little emotional. But, yeah, I was like, I don't know that I've ever really wanted something, like, as bad as I want this. And, yeah, it's just hard. I'm like, I would, like, if somebody at Sundance came to me and was like, here's $2 million to make Ruby, like, your feature film, I would be like, if I could have that or just, like, have a, kid like i would think like keep your money you know so maybe we need to like well you've come a long way out. since you were that hard-boiled 29 year old that i met <laughs> who never wanted to get married never wanted to have kids well i mean you know i just get i'm like get nervous that you know what if we don't get to do that and it feels like the most important thing to me. It's more the most important thing to me too, to be clear. If I had the choice between selling Morse code or having the healthy Zuzu, like set me up. And, um, you know, uh, we'll just, I'll say that. And, um, I think that's partly because, it's just so great. This is why this is the Valentine's episode is that my life with you is so fantastic that I want to have more of it and more of it to me means more babies and more family and a bigger family and a bigger, richer, crazier journey. And I have, you know, if there's a religious bone in my body, it's, around that really acute desire and it's it's so mysterious this you can be doing everything right i know that when we first went to the fertility doctor and he's just talking about you know the the process and the the statistics around getting pregnant even in the best of circumstances i was just like oh my god it's just a miracle that anybody ever gets pregnant um so there's just a lot of things you can't control and mystery to it and um you know, I don't know. God hides next to mystery, and 
I have every hope. I love our doctor and I love our clinic and I trust them. And if he thinks that we should wait, then, you know, we, we wait, right? I mean, I think that he has our best interests in mind and, um, but it's just like, I'm so tired of waiting is the thing. I'm just like, it's, it's a long it's, ass journey and people don't even It's a long know. journey. It's also just like I started a new job. We're trying to sell this show. I'm trying to write a play. We're making another movie. And then on top of it all, I'm just like shooting myself up with hormones and like going to these appointments. And nobody, you know, one of my friends who has a beautiful baby um, after lots and lots of fertility treatment um she was just like very few people like know what you're going through Mm. and i think it's true i mean you kind of see it from the outside and but it's emotionally taxing and it's also i'm not like trying to feel sorry for myself but it's emotional and it's also very physically taxing Mm. um I also realized that we're very lucky that we have the means to to do it, you know. Yeah. Because not everybody does. We're very lucky, and I want to be even luckier. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tess, thank you so much for letting this conversation go this deep, this hard. And I just want to say that I can't imagine doing my life with anyone but you. And I can't wait for this time next year when we're so irritated because we have no time anymore because we're too busy taking care of our kid. I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. And happy birthday to my mom. And happy birthday to your mom. The Morse Code Podcast is produced by Corby Lanker and Kyle Noctegall in East Nashville, Tennessee. Our executive producer is Randa Newman. You can find full video of this and all past episodes by visiting morsecodepodcast.com.